0: I will call upon you to do a service
1: for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast. So... It's not a live broadcast, so please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged.
0: Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening everybody and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with Kup and Gurr. My name is Callum Gurr and I'll be joined by my co-host
1: and political officer, George Kup. Hello everyone, this evening Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the evening. So tonight we will be discussing, in the next decade, will the retail industry just be online What will the EU look like in 20 years' time? And lastly, do you think the human race has fully evolved? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic.
0: But first, last week we asked for you guys to send in your opinions on the question, what policy should the government implement to help you get onto the housing ladder? And we had some really interesting responses in on what is actually a very difficult question to answer. So the first one's from Kayla. Kayla said, I think the first thing is to actually educate us about how to get on the housing ladder in the first place. It really confuses me. And you never learn anything about this at school. How are we meant to know about houses and stuff like that? I don't even know what the word mortgage means. <laughs> I just know that a mortgage is a thing. The government needs to teach things about the housing ladder and more practical skills at school, things that we are actually going to need to know for the rest of our life. Otherwise, we have no hope at all at ever being able to get onto the housing ladder. I mean, George, what do you think of that in terms of education is is the best policy to get people in the housing ladder?
1: Yeah, do you know what? I'll be honest, um, Kato, I think it's a really, really good, um, answer to come up with because it's, it's one that I haven't really actually paid much attention to. And you're, you're actually so right that, um, when it comes to buying houses for the first time, there is so much jargon and so much confusion around the, the processes and everything that it, it, it is very, um, intimidating actually. And it can be incredibly confusing. Um, and there are so many different elements of buying a house that you have to know about. and you have to get solicitors involved. You have to get surveys done. You have to, um, if you're through the help to buy thing, you have to get your help to buy guaranteed. And honestly, there is so much and there is so much paperwork um, that you just don't understand. And I think you're so right that the education around it would make it so much easier. And I don't think there would be any harm in if, for example, something like citizenship at school, you got taught about um how to own your own house and, and what the um, process is to do that. And also, I don't think it would be any harmful in maths for mortgages to be a module within maths. So you can understand the idea of mortgages and what a fixed rate is, what an interest rate is on a mortgage and and so on and so forth. So I really do believe that that is an actual really good way to develop um, our understanding as a society to make sure as well that mortgage companies and solicitors, um, and estate agents aren't ripping us off just because we're first-time buyers. Callum, do you think Kayla's got a good point there? Yeah, I, I think she has got a really good point. You know, I mean, um,
0: I think education is a, a a key part of this, and and just more in general, schools actually teaching people things that they'll use in their life is is so so important. And um, I, I kind of have bad news really for for you, Kayla, in that unfortunately even when you get to things like university or or into sixth form if you're not already in sixth form um i i think that y- you still aren't really taught these skills that you want for life as such if anything i suppose in in university especially if they teach you even less of that um so you know but but kind of getting back to the the question at hand as it were i mean obviously as, as Kay says, she doesn't really know what a mortgage is and and, I mean I think that's fair enough I mean if it's not something you've ever had much experience of why would you really know um, what a mortgage is I mean I mean just in kind of simple terms because I mean obviously I'm no um, monetary expert I've never had a mortgage myself Um, but I mean in really simple terms it's, it's a loan taken out you know to buy property or land usually run, they run for about 25 years, but they can be shorter or longer than that. And basically the loan is secured against the value of your home until it's paid off. Um, and if, I mean, this is a bit of doomsday scenario, so that if you can't keep up with those repayments of it over that 25-year period, say, um, then a lender can repossess your home, and, or, i.e. take it back and, and sell it so that they get their money back. So, But uh, in really simple terms, it's a loan effectively. Uh, I mean, George, you've obviously had some experience recently of um, of, of, of taking out a mortgage. I don't know, am I, am I allowed to say that, George? Yeah, I mean, you can say what you want, kind of, you normally do. <laughs> I mean, do, do you want to, um, have you got any more light to share on that, any
1: advice? Um, I th- I would definitely say um, so. Normally the process is you, is you get something called a broker, and the broker will go around um, finding good mortgages for yourself, um, and they will try and make sure that you're getting a good deal. I would definitely definitely challenge your broker in what they are advising you because you know at the end of the day they want to be paid, and um, they are can sometimes be a little bit lazy but you've got to make sure that you are looking about for mortgages and making sure that you ca- are getting the right deal for yourself and especially as Callum rightly says an affordable deal because ultimately if you cannot afford that mortgage you will um, have your house repossessed so um, it, it is a very scary process I'm not going to lie I mean even now um, everything's still kind of going through and it's it is a very daunting process because you're having all your credit checks and everything and that's an also thing. something is with, to get a mortgage rate, you have to have a good credit score, which is your credit score is effectively um, a number that is evaluated of yourself in terms of how well you do with paying back money whether you've had loans before and you, whether you've paid them back or missed payments um, and you have to build up your credit rating to ensure that you can borrow these kinds of money and when lenders look at your yourself as an individual to see whether or not you can afford a mortgage they will look at your credit rating because if it's high um, and positive they will think that they can trust you with all of this yeah. money
0: yeah i'm just just sorry just to jump in now on that as well um just because it's a common misconception i think that goes around student loans don't count towards that credit score rating so if you're worried about going to university and it meaning you're going to be less likely to be able to buy a house don't worry effectively
1: yeah i I mean don't ever think of your student loan as an actual loan think of it more as like a tax that will come off your wage after you earn a certain amount of money because you won't ever get um judged or sorry like um penalized for not paying it back yeah Um, Right. so Let's move on to our our next opinion. And it's from Benjamin. And he says, I'm a few years off from leaving home, but I think the government should make it easier for students to buy a flat after they leave university. My older brother is about to finish uni and he's going to most likely move back home, which is really annoying. But anyway, he lived at uni for three years, paying rent, but student accommodation is obviously much cheaper than normal accommodation and the government should make the bridge easier so the students don't have to move back home but can buy a flat or a home straight after university especially if they've invested three years to becoming more skilled which benefits society overall well Callum do you think that's an interesting way to look at it if you're um, putting stuff back into society in terms of skilled workmanship do you think the government should kind of pay you back for that?
0: Um. Yeah, kind of. I mean, in principle, yes. Although I'd say that they already do, arguably, um, in, in terms of the various other kind of welfare benefits that we all theoretically have access to, um, not just in terms of actual benefits, but also, um, you know, the the NHS, the the police, and the things that keep us safe and secure. Really. Um. So, so I think there's a A risk almost that we're maybe becoming a little bit unrealistic uh, in what we can achieve. But I do 100% agree with Benjamin in that there's got to be something done about making that bridge easier. So that, you know, as he says, students don't have to move back home. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that bridge is beyond, I think, a really simple thing, which hasn't really been said today, is build houses and build flats you know um if you've got more um than and demand then prices will come down generally um, yeah so i i think on, on that basis um that that's maybe a good way to look at it
1: mm. yeah i i totally agree and I, and I also think there is definitely a um a, an area to look into is into student um loans in terms of there is a possibility or way of if if we have student loans to essentially maybe try and invest that into a house, um, and that could kind of be like the help to buy system that is already in place, but essentially it's a student loan. Um, and and I think there are definitely elements of if you are going to university, then there should be encouragements from the government that could help you onto the housing ladder because it is a very hard thing to get onto. Um, and I, and i totally agree with you as well there there does need to be more building going on and and at the moment there is a definite fight of um especially if we talk about Thanet where Callum and i um are from there our local plan which is something that the government puts into place to say how many houses we need need built um our local plan is is being fought by our villages because there's lots of little villages that make up the district of Thanet and because all of these precious villages do not want houses built Um, I obviously am a young councillor and and I take the viewpoint that actually we do need these houses because from a young point of view there aren't those houses out there Um, and a lot of these problems aren't just coming from the government not building houses, they're also coming from um, the challenges that they're getting from um, villages and individuals that don't like the change happening to their villages or towns.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and just um, moving on to a final opinion, it's from Calvin. Calvin said, I don't know what the government already does, but basically it's just a case of money, isn't it? If we all had enough money to buy a house, then we could probably buy a house. If the government gave loans with low interest rates, then it would help our whole generation to be able to get on the housing ladder. And that would help the economy too, because when you buy a house, you need to buy furniture, food, etc. So it gets people spending money they otherwise wouldn't. There should be a special type of loan for our generation in particular, we've given such a bad deal growing up the world the way it is now. George what do you make of that opinion?
1: Yeah it's actually quite funny so um, in a recent interview I had I I got asked about what one policy would I introduce if um, I was in charge of the Conservative Party policies. And that is a very similar policy that I said I would introduce in terms that I think mortgages, mortgage rates should be lower for our generation so that we can actually afford them. Um, and as such, I think the way they assess our generation getting mortgages should be different to how they assess those that already um, own houses. So I, I definitely think because of that, the government should step in and lower the rates of, of interest rates for mortgages to allow us to get onto that housing ladder. Because ultimately once you're on the housing ladder, you your your house will normally become an investment and it will gain in value and it's in the government's interest because once you have that investment you will then go on to buy other properties that will be more expensive and the the government will essentially be better off because of it um what do you think Adam
0: yeah I think it's a really interesting policy Calvin I mean I I think that so there's a, a policy that the Liberal Party, not the Lib Dems, the Liberal Party, which is like a continuation of what used to be before the Lib Dems became the Lib Dems as such. Um, and they, they have a policy, which is basically, it's called Universal Inheritance. It's very similar to Universal Basic Income, except it's one lump sum that everyone gets when, I think it's when they turn 21, but it might be 25. Um, and, and basically, it's, it's that you get, say, 10,000 when you turn that particular age, everyone would get it. Um, and I just wondered, George, what you thought of that as a kind of uh, a way of effectively doing what, what um, Calvin is asking here. Um And it would maybe be a way that people would already be halfway there towards getting a deposit depending on where they live.
1: I think it's definitely an interesting approach. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I I think absolutely it does sound like a good idea. But when it comes to costings and everything, it might be a different – I might have a different outlook. Um, Yeah. But um, I am always one to, to try and champion young people to, to get onto the housing ladder and not rent accommodation if if you can afford not to and, and just to save up for a deposit and then get onto the housing ladder. Because I think as an investment, as you grow up, there isn't any better investment than buying a house.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, right then, we've um, reached time for the end of that discussion. But remember, we'll be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. Uh, so make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. Right then, we've reached the time for our first song break. We'll be back very soon.
1: Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question... In the next decade, will the retail industry just be online? So as time has gone on, the high street has definitely been suffering with people tending to choose to buy online more and more often me for example this this Christmas I did all of my shopping online uh, mostly through Amazon and it, for me it was a lot easier I think in people's everyday lives they are getting more and more busy and they don't have the time to go down to the shop to have a look around um, and to purchase things for birthdays or Christmas or any celebration um, so the best thing to do is if you if you work is to just quickly pop on your phone and look on things online. And, and purchase it. But the the real question is, is, is it a real um, area for retail to grow online? We've seen that there are many people that uh, industries and companies that have gone online and have seen great success. But retail sometimes can be about the feel of things and the look of things. And it's hard to judge whether or not something is what you like on just a picture on your phone. So is there a future for in the retail industry online? Callum, what do you think? Um, I don't think we'll
0: see it where it's the retail industry is just online. Um, I think we've seen a massive rise in um, what's known in, in marketing as experiential advertising or experiential marketing, which is basically the idea that um, in these physical shops that remain, there should be more than just a goods there to purchase. There should be a real experience to be had. Um, so, um, I mean, an, an example, really, kind of basic example that they've been doing for a while would be um, the, the tester um, or a taster things you see within shops um, where where you where you go in and, and you can try a little bit of the food before you purchase. That means it much more of an experience going to purchase. Um, or, or, you know, we've, we've seen shops much more, um, you know, displaying local artists' work or, or having, you know, local um, dance groups entertaining or things like that. Um, so we're seeing um, retail become much more about the experience when it comes to these um, actual in-person shops. And I think we'll see that happen more and more. And I think, that for a lot of people, the the physical act of going shopping, uh, especially I think for females, is actually something that, that, that they want to do still. I mean, for me personally, I like going physically shopping. Um, you know, if I'm going to buy a lot of things, I'd rather go and do it in person. Um, and I like to once or twice a year go on a big shopping trip to, to Blue Water, which is our, our local big shopping centre um as it were. So so I, I don't think that we'll ever see it where it's just online retail. Um but but what do you think, Josh? Do you do you think that is the way things are going then?
1: I I think for the big brands of um, retail, absolutely, I do think they will just be solely online. The brands like River Island, possibly brands like Tesco's and Sainsbury's, um, Marks and Spencer's, Topman, Burton and so on and so forth. I do believe that they will eventually um, immigrate to to being just online And, and maybe they would have kind of little small corner shops and and have like the the vitals that you need in those shops but i don't think that they solely will have a position on the high street as it were anymore um i think when we look at the the way that the world is going in terms of trying to be more eco-friendly going online is a better place for uh, companies who be better I'm aware of their carbon footprint um because they could just have a a warehouse that sends everything out from there to um the properties that have purchased their products um and I, and I do believe that it is something that is more affordable for um Uh, the retail industry as well because it's something that you wouldn't have to employ as much staff it's uh, probably a lot easier it's more fast-tracked in terms of delivery and and a direct service um, when you order stuff online so I do think that the big retail shops will um, slowly progress online but saying that and and I always argue that I don't believe the high street is dead because this will give the fantastic opportunity for those smaller indie shops that are your proper like town family owned shops to really be able to, um, Kind of grow within the town centres like it like we used to have or or we do kind of still have within our small towns and villages because once those big shops move online, as Callum says, people still want that experience of going to look at shops and things, and that's where the market will open up for the smaller businesses to encourage them to to be on the high street so people can still go out and have a day's shopping. Um, So I, I do believe that there is an element of the retail industry that will definitely be going online
0: right and and in terms of what would happen to these these storefronts that will because obviously independent shops can't come in and and fulfill and 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 be put in place of all um of these um, big high street retailers i mean what do you think is going to happen to these storefronts could we see you know, um, thinking of an example to us, we, we have a, a purpose-built shopping centre called Westwood Cross. Um, I mean, we've seen over recent years, there's far less um, retailers in there and there's a lot more restaurants and cafes and fast food chains to a certain extent. Um, but do you think we could see a, or could you see a scenario where actually we start to see housing put in um, where shops used to be?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is um, kind of highlighting back to our first point. I think we would definitely see kind of high rises going to the places of um, shops that we know, like Western Cross. Um, and but at the same time, the smaller kind of layouts of shops are. Um, I think will either turn to restaurants or as I um, alluded to earlier, the smaller kind of local shops that are family owned because they are a smaller um, square foot of, of um, area. So it means that they could financially be able to support themselves in a smaller area of shop. Um, And I, I, believe that I've, it's probably kind of a cheaper way for the government to look at building houses because if the infrastructure is already there then what's stopping them from um, developing those areas into houses i think it's kind of a, a better way to look at things instead of going on to greenfield sites you're already going onto brownfield sites that have the infrastructure there to then build on
0: yeah yeah uh, uh, and i mean do you think though because i i actually do think that Whilst online will continue to grow, I think to a certain extent you could describe it where everyone thinks, especially amongst our generation, everyone thinks that online is completely the answer. Do you think there's there's a part of that could, that could be a kind of phase in that um, if we think about something like the rise of the home movie, the, the DVD or videotapes as, as it was really back then, I, I suppose a lot of people back then were saying this is the death of the cinema. Um, this is the death of the theatre, maybe, as well. Um, and what has actually happened is, OK, we probably don't go to the cinema as much as we used to, but but these um, industries have found a way to adapt. People in general want to go to the cinema for a certain kind of experience. You know, if I want to go and see um, a film um, that's a big blockbuster, I might well go and watch that in the cinema because I think it adds to the experience. Do you think we could see the same thing happening with shopping where, um, you know, OK, at the moment it's in decline, the high street's in decline. But actually, we'll see a lot of, of people suddenly decided, actually, we like on certain occasions going at to the actual high street
1: and also those businesses adapting as well. What do you think, George? Um, it's an interesting point you make, and and I I think the way the cinema has gone though is that we've seen kind of one main company which is um, View and um, I can't remember the name of the other one. Oh dear. Um, thank you. That is um, kind of the main two people that are in that industry. When there used to be lots of different independent cinemas, yeah. um, and I and I think that is the way it would go. You would obviously we have lots of in- independent shops, but. Probably someone like Walmart, who owns ASDA and all other kinds of um, shops as well, I think they we would see them kind of expand. So you just have one big shop that you would go to um, to to get all your things, and then the others would be little like indie places. And and I think that yeah. is the way forward. So you could still have that luxury of going physically shopping, but it would just be in one big place.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that because like, obviously. Uh, almost what you're describing is kind of like a department store, isn't it? With an added supermarket, maybe. Or do I suppose M&S is a kind of department store, is it not? And then I suppose that has got a supermarket bolted on. But but these are the kind of retailers that are struggling a lot. And um, the, these these places are department stores.
1: I mean, do you think we'll we'll see them starting to rise again? I don't so much believe we will see start to see them rise again. I Um because I think the reason they do struggle as well is because there are so many of them. What we will see is just one kind of ultimate brand of, um, the, the supermarkets to, to then develop into, to where everyone just goes to. Like, like I said, you know, we only have really have one big cinema where we are from, um, that, that is always where we go to watch the film, apart from the local cinema that we have in one of our villages. Yeah. Um, and I, I do believe that is where it will go. I think once the rivalry of all of the department stores is is kind of lessened we will just see one and that's where everyone will go to.
0: Hm yeah yeah no it's it, it's interesting to see how how retail can develop really because you know <laughs> probably 20 years ago if you'd say if you'd have said how it's doing now with the rise of online people would have said they're crazy. Um and and so you know we really we can we can speculate, sure. But actually knowing what's going to happen is 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 like, you know, trying to predict what the lottery numbers are going to be.
1: Mm, no, absolutely. I mean, my my dad used to work in retail in London and he was um a director for a company in London and he um set them up online about, what, 20 odd years ago. And all the other directors were going, what are you doing? This is peculiar. Why would you do this? <laughs> Um, and you know now that company is a great success because of the of the online industry that it has created. I think it's so hard to tell what will happen in ten years. And you know, Callum, who knows? We might still be doing to be discussed in, in ten years time, and we can reevaluate whether we were right or wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm 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 down for that, George. We'll, we'll <laughs> commit to that.
1: And how do you think this poll will go? Do you think people will say that retail will just be online? Um, no, I don't. I don't think people will say it'll just be online. I don't think it's going to be.
0: Um, an overwhelming result saying, saying no. Um, but I, I do think that, that no will get around, um, 60% say. What about
1: you? I'm going to say that yes will get 60%. So I'm going to go the opposite of you. We shall um, see. Absolutely. And the only way we will see is if you guys vote on the question in the next decade, will the retail industry just be online? And you can vote on wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. Um, and we'll be back after this some break. Hello and welcome back. So to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page, that's at WizRadio.
0: Right there, time to move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we are asking, what will the EU look like in 20 years time? So obviously the EU has undergone something or, or, or had something of hardship in recent years with the struggles of the euro, uh, the refugee crisis, And then, of course, that inevitable word, Brexit. (laughs) And this has led to us um, internally, really, having a discussion about what does this all mean for the European Union? Does it pose this great existential threat that it will never recover from? So that's what we're going to have a look at uh, in this evening's discussion. So the options we've got for what the EU could look like in 20 years' time are just simply doesn't exist anymore. It's relatively similar to what it it's currently. It's kind of stripped back the um, the integration on a lot of things, including social rights, and it's more of a loose trading block. Maybe it's lost a lot of members, there's now fewer than 10. Perhaps Guy Verhofstadt's got his wish and there's a European super state, or maybe there's that really ominous sounding other. Before I pose that question to you, listeners, I've got to go to George. So, George, I mean, obviously, as a as a Eurosceptic, um, are, are you hopeful that it's actually going to be that the EU doesn't exist?
1: Oh, no. I I, I have often said that I, I would I don't particularly want the EU to collapse as such. I just think it needs major, major reforming. And as I always have said, if David Cameron came back with a better deal from the EU, there is a very big likelihood that I would have voted remain. I can't believe I just said that. Um, so I, I think currently, for me, it, the, the EU is, is going into an area where it is looking as if it could become the European super state. I don't believe that the countries that are currently involved within that, um, certain parts of France that – um, Italy as well, especially, they they do not want that area to become, uh, sorry, the EU to become a European super state. And I, I think there will be a lot of uproar from fellow citizens in a lot of countries that are part of the EU. Um, so regarding that, I think looking 20 years down the line, I do believe that we will be looking at a looser trading block for it to still be in place, practically what it was in the 1970s of the common market. Um, And it would, I believe, have fewer kind of members, as it were, that is still paying up to the EU. But there would be more members that would be part of the common market. So there would be a trading block of the whole of Europe. Um, And I definitely think that is something that will will happen. I don't believe that we would ever kind of see the EU collapse totally um, because I think that would mean there would have to have been something absolutely um, catastrophic to happen and I don't think we would ever get to that stage more so I think the EU would look at itself and say we do strongly need to reform um, and we need to look at where the future is Um, you know but then saying that if the others if those got their way there is a chance that if the eu it does become fewer than 10 member states then they could become a european super state um depending obviously on where the ideologies lie of the leaders of those countries so for me i'm gonna ultimately be on the side of that there will be fewer than 10 members um of the eu and that it will be a looser trading bloc but callum as someone who um has just changed their relationship status on facebook to it's complicated over the EU um, How are you feeling about the eu? Are you optimistic in terms that you think it would become the European super state um, or do you think it's just going to be kind of the same that it already is? well I think
0: firstly i'd say that w- saying for me uh, the European op- super state would be something that i'd be optimistic about actually completely misjudges what where I am and where a lot of Remainers are. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't have any great desire for a European super state. I think on certain things, there could be closer integration, but I, I don't want to see it where the European Union replaces the nation states and takes the majority of decisions or anything like that. I think for me, it's always been about um, making sure that we're, um, making decisions at the most appropriate level with a preference for it to be decisions to be as close to the people as possible. Um, so categorically, I, I, European superstates is not something I see happening and that I know it's not something I would personally support and I think the majority of people, at least in this country, would say that and actually also I think across the European Union as well. Um, In terms of what that means, I think the EU will look like in 20 years' time. Um, I I think that we will see some of the things that are now more closely integrated um, becoming much more in the hands of national governments and maybe regional governments, um, because I think that um, there isn't a understanding within the european union that some of the things that the eu controls at the moment is actually overkill and they they shouldn't be doing this because it's not actually the most effective way of running your government and to kind of centralize it from brussels yeah but then i also think and it's not really an option that we've given on here but in terms of that other option i think we could well see New members joining. I'm not certain whether that means there'll be more members than there are currently, um, because I think there is a risk, you know, that that France leaves, that Italy leaves. O- although I would also then say that if France leaves, that is a massive existential crisis for the European Union if that were to happen. I- I'm not sure how likely that is, but we probably would have said that Brexit, very very unlikely. Um, so you know I, I, ultimately I though I don't think that we'll see this as a, a looser trading block not certainly in the terms that you um said about it George um, because i i i just think the 1970s are, are over now um and and therefore we're not going to go back to this just being a common market
1: okay i mean it's it's kind of interesting to to hear kind of both our Discussions and not so much arguments, but points that we've made, because even though I voted to leave and and you voted to remain, there are some similarities in what we are saying. And and both of us do definitely um, agree that the EU needs to reform if it has a future Um, and would... (sighs) Do you think the result would have uh, Brexit result I'm talking about would have been completely different then if the EU had treated David Cameron with a little bit more respect and um, given him a better deal to come back with?
0: Um, oh, I mean, firstly, I'd, I'd probably take issue with, with saying treat David Cameron with more respect because I think the EU did treat him with a lot of respect and actually – the way that David Cameron conducted diplomacy within the EU was actually pretty terrible, um, and he, he didn't—he was not effective because of that, because he didn't know how to be diplomatic. But having said that, if they'd have given him a more sympathetic deal, perhaps there would have been this outcome. Although I do genuinely believe that no matter what, still Boris Johnson Farage. The Sun, you know, all of these um, kind of actors that were so crucial in the Leave campaign would have still wanted to leave the EU. And I think my evidence for that is the fact, especially with Farage and that kind of um, version of Brexit here that we saw, um, when it was during the referendum campaign, we were talking about, well, we're not going to leave the single market, a lot of people were saying, or we're certainly not going to leave the customs union. But then as soon as the vote went through, they were saying, oh, well, actually, no, we want to leave both of those things. Um, and we, actually, no deal was going to be good enough, as, as Farage almost eventually said. And therefore, we want a complete no deal Brexit. So I, I think that's evidence of the fact that actually, no matter what David Cameron came back with, it was never going to be good enough for a lot of people. And I, and I think that would have still translated in that Brexit vote, inevitably. I mean, what do you think, George?
1: Uh, I've got a question to ask you first before I voice my opinion. Um, the, the, on that kind of concept, talking about the future of the EU as we are relating back to the question, do you think then that the EU have kind of learned from the way they possibly approach negotiations in, us, in other countries asking for a better deal in terms of their membership to make sure that they don't encourage Brexit to happen in other countries? Do you think they will reform in terms of the way they will go around negotiating things now to make sure they encourage member states to remain members?
0: I, I think to a certain extent, yes. I mean, the, the trouble is that it, it takes tr- treaty change um, to, to do this, um, and that requires an agreement between every member state to, to yeah. get treaty change, um, which is why it's such a slow process sometimes with the EU. Um therefore, you know, I think these things will happen, but it's not gonna be based and it's never gonna be based upon the whims of one country. It's got to be this collective effort. It's slightly frustrating sometimes that um that it's like that. Um, but ultimately it's only really similar to to within, you know, the, the United Kingdom, how slow sometimes agreement takes to get. If we look at things like a Um, assisted dying and um, the legalisation of cannabis. I mean, public opinions for a long time really been in support of both of those things. But um, we're seeing it's very slow for for Parliament to catch up in the same way as I think it is with the EU.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yes. Um, Right then. and I mean, George, what what do you think is going to come out on top in this poll?
1: Um, I'm going to say that people are going to vote for f- fewer than 10 members.
0: Okay, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I could see other having quite a, a high vote. <laughs> of course. Um, or maybe maybe lose the trade and block, actually. Um, I, I guess it depends how you interpret that. Um, right then, it's time for you guys to vote away on this poll. So that question is, what will the EU look like in 20 years' time? Uh, you can vote on that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And the options are, doesn't exist, same as currently, looser trading block, fewer than 10 members, the European super state or other. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So before I break your ask, what will the EU look like in 20 years' time? And to find out the results to that poll, head over to our Twitter page at WizRadio.
1: Right, okay, so let's move on to our last discussion of this evening. So do you think the human race has fully evolved? Obviously, those of us that believe in evolution, it is safe to say that us, the human race, has come a very long way from the apes we used to be. Um, we now have uh, evolved into incredibly intelligent beings um, and we've become incredibly uh, creative in what we have done in terms of building technology and so on and so forth. But in the world that we live in today, is there much room for us to now evolve? Do you think that we will evolve into being the people that can sit better because a lot of us now sit in our in our daily lives, or do you think our hands will change w- with holding phones all the times? Who knows? The person that might know is Callum Gurr. What do you think? <laughs> As
0: if I'm some like great scientist or something, <laughs> you can know. Dr. Callum-Gurr. <laughs> um, I don't... We, I, No, I don't think we have fully evolved as such because I, I think, you know, um, the message of evolution is that things are always adapting, things are always developing. Um, and, and from our own perspective, I suppose, if if you think about things like technology as being examples of um not biological evolution but but kind of technological evidently we you know we've not reached the pinnacle uh, of technology i don't believe so i i think on that basis no we haven't fully evolved yet um although i suppose i i i struggle with the, the notion of being fully evolved for me it there's something that just doesn't quite feel right about that phrasing, if that makes sense. Um, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of um, in, in kind of Nazi Germany to, with them talking about, you know, evolution and using um, evolution as a basis to, you know, do these unspeakable things. And so, you know, I, I have that slight issue with talking about it whether or not we have fully evolved but i think in, in pure kind of biological terms no, no we haven't and technological as well and what do you think george
1: Yeah, I think absolutely not. There is no way that we have fully evolved because the world around us is still evolving. And that's from um, the environment to what we are producing um, ourselves. And and I think that definitely there is an element from because we are cut, we our background has evolved from being so kind of hands on to with like labor and farming and stuff. If we look back to our ancestors now, so many of us do live around technology and things. And I think our um, bodies will evolve to that. I think our eyesight will be more um, able to c- cope with technology and looking at screens and stuff, because as we've seen in generations that eyes are a weakness because we sca- stare at screens so much. And I think that will definitely be an area that our bodies will try and improve over time. And I do believe as well, as I kind of said in, in the introduction that um our hands will evolve to holding. T- I mean, my—I've said it before on the radio show, and I'll say it again. My little finger um, on my right hand has a small dent in it where I hold my phone so often, um, and I—I I do believe that that kind of thing will will kind of happen. I think our our fingers will shape in a different way to allow us to hold. Um, technology because our hands aren't used to in the way that they used to be used um if we look back to our ancestors so yeah absolutely there is definitely room for for us to evolve but Callum, in terms of appearance like obviously if we look back over history we are much taller than our ancestors um and we have a lot less hair than our ancestors Of facially do you think there will be much change or do you think we will Kind of stay the same.
0: You um, broke up a little bit just halfway through that sentence. Could you just repeat it for me? Sorry.
1: Yeah, of course. So, um, do you think facially or, or appearance-wise, do you think we will stay the same, or do you think that we will um, change completely?
0: Oh, it's a it's a good it's a really good question. Um, oh, I I think oh, we will change a little bit. Um, I couldn't tell you how, <laughs> as such, but uh, I do think, yeah, facially we we there will be uh, an adaptation um, that that we will go through, and um, I think it's also interesting to think, and maybe this is getting into sci-fi territory, but with the advances it, they're making in science now, um, it's not impossible to think that we could be starting to kind of like genetically engineer our ourselves to 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 look the way that, that we want to or our, our child rather to to look the way that we want to maybe not uh, literally no. our generation's <laughs> children but in in future years I mean do, do you think just going back to your original question just do you think that you know facially and and appearance wise we, we will go under undergo a massive change
1: Um, I mean, if you you look at my face, I I would say that you can't evolve that any further because you can't change perfection. Um, (laughs) So I think I have my kind of general, my, I don't know, family line has fully evolved because, you know, my face is already perfect. And I don't think you can get much better than that. Uh, Wow. Uh, Toot your own trumpet, George. No no, one else will. uh, Well, exactly, Callum. No one else does. So I have to sign up for myself, (laughs) all right? Um, right. So let's now, um, move on to our final song break of this evening. I remember to vote on this question. Do you think the human race has fully evolved? And you was that wizard reddit at code.uk UK slash system. And we'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, do you think the human race has fully evolved? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page. That's at WizRadio. Well, unfortunately, it has come to the time that evening where Callum and I do have to say bye-bye. So thanks for listening, everybody, to To Be Discussed with Cuffinger. We do really hope you have enjoyed this episode. So,
0: as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like you to send in your answers to the following question. How can we make our elections more democratic? You can send in those opinions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at wizardradio. So remember that question is, how can we make our elections more democratic? And we're looking forward to hearing those next week. But it's now time for George and I to say ciao for now.
1: So I've been Callum Gurr. And I've been the fully evolved George Cup. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To Be Discussed.